Well, good morning, Cross Point Community Church. Again, it is so good to see you here this morning. I praise God for each and every one of you who have come to corporate worship today. I pray as we pray every week that your heart has been prepared to receive the word. Um, welcome to everyone here. We don't often get to, uh, to extend just a personal hand of welcome. I would love to welcome every one of you personally here this morning. And often I don't get that opportunity and other one of the elder teams and the chaplain team, deacon team, don't get to greet everyone, the greeters. But if you have not been greeted this morning, we just want to say we are so thrilled you are here. We praise God that he has brought you to worship with us this morning corporately. I'd like to invite you all this morning, if you would take your Bibles and turn to the wonderful book of Romans and the wonderful chapter 8. <clears throat> we are on this journey through the book of Romans. Today we will be back in Romans 8, 1 through 17, a portion of scripture that we will, um, we will take the better part of an entire month working through this section. In the chapter 8, we will spend about two months in the whole of this chapter, and I will emphasize, as I did last week, this, that I absolutely love Romans 8. <laughs> you know how it is. There are certain passages of scriptures that really just, just ring true to your heart. These are passages of Scripture that you go to often, and that in times of temptation or times of discouragement, that you run to these passages. My, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this for me is one of them. One of the many in the Scriptures, but one of them that, that kind of like sifts out to the top, I guess you could say. Kind of rises to the top. Romans chapter 8. And so for the next two months, we get to hang out in one of my favorite chapters. But don't be surprised that it might turn into six months. <laughs> now, we're going to dial in in Romans chapter 8. Why Romans 8? Why, why do I love this chapter so much? Here's why. It is so practical. I mean, sometimes as we dig into God's Word, and intentionally so, we want to put on our theological thinking caps. We want to understand the dynamics of how salvation works and sanctification works. To understand, as we talked of last week, how, how the Trinity functions in the life of a believer. And, and so we get this thinking cap mentality on our, in our minds, this, this theology and kind of like this uh, Christianese type language we get. Well, then you get to a passage like Romans 8, and it is so absolutely practical for every day of our lives. You get to the end of chapter 7, and, and traveling into Romans 8, you realize very quickly that this theology that's being taught by the Apostle Paul is not just for these seminarians, these people that take all of their week to study the Word, or people that are digging deeply. My brother and sister in Christ, it is for the everyday, real-life follower of Jesus Christ. That's Romans 8. It is for you and for me. And so, we have opened up the door into Romans 8 is having traveled through chapters 1 through 7. If you'll remember with me, uh, you can actually see every week we just kind of touch on this outline, the journey through Romans. Uh, you, you, you come into Romans and you're interacting right away with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. But as this is exposed, what this gospel truly is, the theme of this book, what this gospel truly is, you interact with, with an ugly term. It is the term condemnation. God's righteousness revealed in condemnation. That's highlighted in chapters 1 through 3. But then you come from, you go from chapters 1 through 3, through the Spirit, God leads Paul to expose to us the beauty of the good news. And it is wrapped around the word justification. A declaration of righteousness by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But then we walk through this book, and it is so good because it doesn't stop at the end of chapter 5. There's more to the story. It is the now what of our relationship with God. Sure, God has brought us into relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. We've been set on this journey. We've been forgiven of our sins. But now what? How does this look each and every day of our lives? Well, that is this beautiful word, 
sanctification. Also on the back of your handout, you'll see as we kind of have dialed in on a couple key uh, definitions of this sanctification. It is the process uh, of spiritual growth by which all true believers are consecrated away from sin and toward Christ-likeness. This includes both a journey, a, a joyful journey of growth, but it also includes a daily battle against temptations. You know what I'm talking about. The day-in, day-out battle with our remaining flesh, the sinful flesh that holds on to us as long as our heart is beating, as we can take in any kind of information through our five senses, we still have this lingering, remaining sinful flesh. Until the day we breathe our last breath and we are in the presence of God and glorification, we will deal with these temptations of the flesh. And so when we talk of sanctification, it is God's directives through this time, this time of joyful journey and this time of daily battle. You will remember with me at the end of chapter 7, we were convinced by Paul of this. We cannot do this sanctification thing on our own. Uh, we're not going to go back and look at all of that, but through testimony of the Apostle Paul, we come to this conclusion that we need help. <laughs> we can't do this thing. So even though our hearts have been transformed by God's grace, because of the remaining sinful flesh, we desperately need a power greater than ourselves. And so now, center stage is the third person of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit. We talked of this last week where in the first seven chapters of Romans, we find four mentions of this Holy Spirit of God. It is very Trinitarian, especially in chapter 5, but four mentions in seven chapters of the Holy Spirit of God. Then we come into chapter 8, and in chapter 8 we have 20 references to the Holy Spirit of God. Very clearly, the third person of the Trinity is put on display when it comes to sanctification. You cannot do this on your own. And as we looked at last week, as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, even fulfillment of what Jesus Christ himself prophesied before going to the cross of Calvary, we now have the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one that walks with us every step of the way. Clearly, the Holy Spirit of God is the power for our sanctification. And let's just take a couple minutes. Last week, we read all the way through Romans 8, 1 through 17. This, this morning, I'm going to kind of pick some of these verses. We have a lot to cover today. Um, hopefully, you did your homework this week and dug into Romans 8, 1 through 17. If not, you'll have another week to do so. Uh, in Romans 8, we find basically seven primary assurances or comforts regarding the Holy Spirit. Sure, you can dichotomize those, even each of these points, and come up with more, but I think there's eight or seven primary assurances, stabilizing truths regarding the Holy Spirit. And so let's just read about some of these. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and, and skip around a, little bit, around a little bit in Romans 8. Would you, would you follow along as I start in verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Would you skip with me down to verse 8? We'll return to these other verses, but would you skip with me down to verse 8? Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, 
Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14, for all who are, yeah, let's skip down to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I'm going to spend some time towards the end of this discussion this morning to meditate on this concept. You, through the Spirit, it's confirmed in your heart that you are the sons of God. You've been adopted. And let's read more about that in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Habba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You can see why I get fired up about this. I love this passage. And what did we just read? We just read about the amazing working of the Holy Spirit in the life of every, this is a key, key word, every true believer. When we go through this, as we talked of last week, Paul seems to be promoting this key truth, so we want to wrap our minds around this key truth. Here it is. As they seek for strength on their journey of sanctification... Uh, strength to grow and strength to battle. As they seek for strength on their journey of sanctification, all true believers should fully embrace the continual comfort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So, my friend, where do you find strength in your battle against the flesh? How can you We want to make this very practical. How can you, as soon as we dismiss here, how can you, by God's grace, take another step in your spiritual walk? My friends, this text assures us that it is only through the power and presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So let's continue where we left off last week. I would encourage you, if you missed last week, to go back and try to follow uh, we, we, we set this up a little bit more, but I want us to get right back into these comforts, these assurances of the Holy Spirit. These are stabilizing truths found in this chapter. Last week we started with, uh, with the first of these comforts of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and here's the first one. I'll just touch and go on this one today. It is so rich and so deep, but the Holy Spirit enables believers to fulfill God's law. How does Paul say this? Well, if you would return to the text and and look with me at verse 1. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay, so this is what we talked about last week. We highlighted the, the, the function of the Trinity in the life of a believer. Clearly, this is seen in this text. But when we think about what salvation and sanctification looks like, particularly sanctification, God the Father sent God the Son to fulfill the condemning demands of the law for you and for me. And here's the question. Who then is the member of the Trinity that applies this in the life of every true believer, it is the Holy Spirit of God. 
Just like in Romans chapter 5, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all dynamically working in justification. Same in Romans 8, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all dynamically working in sanctification. Truly, when we think about how God the, the, the Spirit has helped us to fulfill God's moral law, truly, in a forensic sense, through the Spirit, God's moral law can never again point a finger and yell at you, condemned. We talked about that at the end of last week. But also, in a very practical sense, and we need to get this, through the Spirit, God's people are actually and regularly empowered to obey God's moral law. To obey. So not only does God the Holy Spirit speak on our behalf when it comes to condemnation of the law, God the Holy Spirit gives us grace to obey today and tomorrow and the next day. To obey God's moral demands every single day of our lives. Well, that's what we talked of last week. I want us to look, though, at this second stabilizing comfort, this stabilizing truth of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Here it is. He permanently indwells every true believer. My friends, this is so important for us to grasp when it comes to discussions in contemporary Christianity. When it comes to pneumatology, the the study of the Holy Spirit of God, This right here is foundational to how we understand the Scriptures as New Covenant believers. Here it is. The Holy Spirit of God permanently indwells every true believer. And I want us to jump down to verses 9 through 11. By the way, if you have questions on other verses, remember, we're going to be in this chapter for some time. So we're going to be coming back to some of these verses, uh, particularly 5, 6, 7, 8. But I want us to look at verse 9, proving this point. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then this phrase, if you are an underliner or a highlight, please underline or highlight this phrase. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit, verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Okay, please tell me what phrase is mentioned three times in this this section of verses dwells in you. This is very clearly a theme of the Apostle Paul through the Spirit in this text. Three times in these three verses we find a form of the, this Greek word called oikeo. It means to dwell in. It means to inhabit. It means to reside. Here's what it means. It means to make a home or a residence in. This is so good. The point is this, the Holy Spirit has permanently made His residence in every true believer. In you. You you know what it's like. Uh, There's times in your life when you've had to jump around to different dwellings. Or maybe you're on a a trip and you're staying in this hotel and that hotel and that hotel. uh, All temporary dwellings. But then you know what it's like when you get to your home. We're home, my brothers and sisters in Christ. What is the residence of the Holy Spirit of God? It is in the life of a believer. I mean, if you doubt this, we can run to the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul very clearly talks of this. How does he talk of this in in chapter 6? He says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in you. You're not your own. You have been bought with a price. So when does this dwelling happen? My brothers and sisters in Christ, it happens at the very moment of justification. 
When you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, all the wonders of the gift of the Trinity, when God the Holy Spirit comes into your life to guard you and to guide you for every step of the journey. 1 Corinthians 6 talks of this. I mean, 1 Corinthians 6.11. I mean, if you want to write down a couple verses to to think on in your life groups, write down 1 Corinthians 6.11. This indwelling is for all those who have been washed They've been set apart as holy. They've been declared righteous. First uh, Corinthians six nineteen and twenty is for all those who have been bought with a price. Second Corinthians three verse sixteen, this indwelling comes when one. I love this when one turns to the Lord. Practically, as we noted last week, and this is so important. I know I'm saying a lot of words. And, I, and you all are doing such a good job following along. Well, I'm telling you, this is massively important, even in our own town, how we process the, this concept of pneumatology in the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as noted last week, we must get this into our minds that the indwelling of the Spirit is not just for the Superman Christian who finally gained enough faith. My friends, the brothers and sisters in Christ, this indwelling is not for just for these extra devoted Christians who are privileged to see God's special work. It is not just for those special, fervent Christians who have finally arrived at a higher level of spirituality. No, 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 my brothers and sisters in Christ. This indwelling is for every true believer who has been justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. My friend, if you've come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, this Holy Spirit is indwelling in you. That is the truth of the Scripture. Why do we emphasize, why do I put up there uh, permanently? This permanent indwelling. I think there's massive confusing when it comes to this indwelling and this uh, other passages. I'm, I'm not going to get into there today, even though I'm chomping at the bits to jump into Ephesians 5 right now. The filling of the Spirit, what does that mean? All right. Well, I think what's going to guide this concept of filling of the Holy Spirit is when you nail down what it means to be indwelt by the Spirit. The permanent indwelling. Why do we talk of the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Well, would you just look at the text with me? Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then this very appropriate statement that you've maybe already highlighted. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So, simply stated, if you do not have the Spirit through justification, so by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, if you do not have this Spirit, you are not God's person. (laughs) Catch this. If the Spirit were to somehow leave the believer on this journey, because that's what's taught, somehow the Spirit will exit the life of a believer. Brothers and sisters, don't buy it! Not for a single second! The Spirit doesn't, like we say often, leak out the bottom of your shoe. It doesn't leave you. This comforter is there for the long haul. If the Spirit were to somehow leave the believer on the journey, that believer would somehow cease to belong to God. That's how important this is. I mean, well, here's a passage. Life group passage. Ephesians 1, thir- uh, 3 through uh, 14, and if you want to dial in more, go to verses 13 and 14. I wanted to read that so badly this morning, but there was so much to go to. So go to this in your personal time. Read Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, and here's what, it will, what you will find. That believers are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. What is the guarantee of your relationship with God Almighty? It is the indwelling Holy Spirit in your life. My friends, as we journey in sanctification, as we battle in our flesh, let us find daily comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit of God permanently indwells every, every, every true believer. 
Let's go to the third stabilizing truth, and all of these work together. The third stabilizing comfort. Here it is. Found in verse 13. He empowers the ongoing killing of sinful deeds. Yes! You're going to find this throughout Paul's epistles, this, this warfare mentality. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are soldiers of Jesus in a battle. And we find this terminology, if you look with me at verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What is this? We'll look at this verse in more depth in the next couple of weeks when we consider our responsibility in sanctification. But simply enough, the unbeliever, this is distinguishing two people, the unbeliever and the believer, the unbeliever who is characterized by the flesh and who constantly or consequently lives in accordance to the flesh will experience eternal death. We've already seen that in the book of Romans. However, the believer who is characterized by the Spirit and who consequently lives in accordance to the Spirit will experience eternal life. And then what is the manifestation that you are living by the Spirit? This is so good. Is that you are actively putting to death the deeds of the body. How does, this, how does the passage say it? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, this is a present active indicative. You are doing this by God's grace. Regular killing. <laughs> this, is, this is in the Scripture. You thought we were to be passive as believers. Nope. <laughs> Regular daily killing is to happen. <laughs> Actively putting to death the deeds of the body. Regularly killing the sinful impulses that plague every believer every day. Battling with and refusing temptations every single day. I left it in my office. My favorite button in the whole world is my no button. Uh, it was borrowed for a little bit, but it's back at my desk. Because it's so good. Who is the one in our lives that gives us the grace when, when sin confronts, when sin knocks on our front door and sin starts knocking down our front door? Who is the one in your life that says no? Or that gives you the grace to push the no button? It is the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives to give us the grace to battle sin Practically, how comforting this is this, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is so good. Um, here's the comfort. You're not headed into battle today on your own. You're not going out on your own to battle the flesh. God Almighty doesn't just say, hey, yo, good luck. <laughs> Hope you survive and it all turns out okay. No, God Almighty has planted His Spirit in your life to empower you to kill sinful deeds every single day. Let's go to another stabilizing truth, stabilizing comfort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. By the way, we could take every single one of these and just spend weeks on them. So again, this is giving you some homework some talking points in your life groups. Let's go to another stabilizing truth. Here it is. The Holy Spirit of God leads God's children. Another concept in theology that has been so massively misunderstood and abused. But Paul says, nonetheless, in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. When you see this concept of being led by God, it doesn't necessarily mean like a one-step-at-a-time thing, even though we are told to walk in the, in the Spirit. This concept of led, well, not necessarily, necessarily an impulse-by-impulse impulse type thing, but it seems to carry the idea of being governed by, to be managed by, to be controlled by. The point is this, the Holy Spirit of God takes an active, governing role in the life of believers. This is great. You're not in charge. 
And even though through our flesh we want to take charge, and even though at times in the, our lives we do bite into that flesh, we, we, we do bite into that temptation, we, we, we do, I mean, it, it's sad to say, but we do listen to that temptation. Who, who is the one in our life that is governing us, that is not leaving us without speaking into our lives through the Word? It is the Holy Spirit of God. But here's the point. The Holy Spirit of God takes an active governing role in the life of believers. Basically, the comfort for the believers is the same as we just noted. Here's the comfort. God Almighty doesn't just send the believer on the journey of sanctification with a, yo, good luck. Go get them. You got it, tiger. (laughs) Have fun surviving this sin-cursed world. God Almighty doesn't just send the believer on this journey of sanctification saying, just suck it up, buttercup. Really hope you can make it. Please just be careful not to get beat up too badly. Now I'll see you when you get there. No, no, that is not the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is such a comfort that the Holy Spirit of God is there to govern us all along the way. He is the active governance in the life of a believer. It's worth noting exactly, and take this, please take this. It is worth knowing exactly how the Spirit governs and guides. This is where there's so much misunderstanding and, and abuse of the Spirit of God. I mean, I honestly... You and I have all been around believers that go through something tough and they're like, oh man, I, I just was following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And I want to t- say two things. One, I want to say, okay, where'd you find that in the scriptures? And, and two, I want to say, stop blaming your foolish decisions on the Spirit. You did that! Um, I want to respond. I mean, okay, if I can just speak openly... On other occasions, we've probably all been around friends who say something like, I just can't seem to hear the Spirit's leading very clearly in my life. You ever been around someone like that? Well, clearly sin has a way in the life of a believer. Callousness, as it were. But, but they're looking for this loud voice of the Spirit to talk in their life. And we've talked about this as elders. I just want to say sometimes, my friend, go home, open God's Word, read it as loud as you possibly can, and I guarantee you, you will hear the Spirit speak to you loud and clear. Why, my friends? Here's why. Because God's Spirit uses God's Word to lead God's children. The Spirit of God and the Word of God work so seamlessly and simultaneously to lead true followers of Christ. I mean, if you doubt this, write down a couple passages. Jesus Christ, about to go to the cross. Uh, we, we talked of this last week. John chapter 16, verse 13. What does he pray? Or, or he state, the Spirit will guide you into truth. Remember this? What does he say in the very next chapter? John 17, 17. Your word is truth. The Word of God and the Spirit of God work simultaneously and and seamlessly in the life of the believer. If you doubt this, compare to, I love going to to Paul's epistles. I I love going to Ephesians 5. You can write down Ephesians 5.18. Compare this with with Colossians 3.16. What does Ephesians 5.18 say? It says, be filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And it's almost an identical passage to what we find in Colossians chapter 3. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says the same thing, but how does he say it? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Sure, God will use circumstances at some point in the life of a believer, but the grounding of the believer's decision-making must always be the written word of God, the all-sufficient word of God. We want to hear God speak loud and clearly. The Spirit, study the Word of God. And as you walk through the day, God is going to bring these verses to your mind over and over and over again. Practically, 
The comfort of this verse comes with the idea that the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, has taken the lead governing role in the life of believers. Let's look at another. You holding on? We're all in this? Okay, a couple quick other ones. Fifth one. He assures of the adoption from a gracious Father. Oh, I love this one. Paul says in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then we start into verse uh, 17. And if children, then heirs. Hold on to your seats on this one. This is good. What is this talking about? The most endearing metaphor for salvation, I believe, in all of the New Testament is the metaphor of adoption. You did not deserve this family. In fact, you are an enemy of this family. But you have been showered with the love of this family and you have been brought into this family to experience all of the blessings of this family. That is adoption. And we see this through the New Testament. But through Christ, all believers have been adopted into the family of God. Again, if you want to see this beautifully articulated, go back to Ephesians 1, 3-14. You'll see this adoption highlighted. God's gracious, uh, God the gracious, sovereign Father brings us into relationship with Him. The biblical truth is this, though, when we talk of adoption, that Christ, that through Christ, we as unlovely enemies of God have been adopted into God's family And who seals this adoption deal, brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes, it is the Holy Spirit of God. You want another passage to write down? Write down 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22. However, this is a passage passage focusing more on the ongoing assurance from this fact of the Holy Spirit sealing the deal of adoption. So what is the ongoing assurance? Well, here it is. Who is the one who is regularly reminding you of the reality and beauty of your undeserved adoption? Oh, my friend, it is the Holy Spirit of God. Who is the one who is compelling the believer like a little child reaching up in unrestrained, unfearful admiration of his father saying, Abba, Father, I mean, this is a beautiful word, uh, highlighted more in, in the Aramaic. You have the word daddy like twice. Daddy, daddy. You know what it's like, dads. What makes your heart melt? One, one of the most gracious experiences of my whole human existence is when my young child, when I have walked in the door, and they run up and, daddy! My friends, this is, this is God our Father. And who is the one in our hearts saying, Go to that father. Don't be afraid of that father. He's adopted you. Don't be afraid of that father. He gave his son for your existence. My friends, very practically, who is the one in your life every day that assures you of this beautiful adoption? It is the Holy Spirit of God. Identifying with our spirit saying, you are his That's what verse 16 says. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's so much more to this, but practically, what does this mean for you and me? Think about this. What do you go through every every day of every week? Doubts? Seriously. I mean, we don't have to put on a pretense here. We go through serious doubts every day of our lives. Overwhelming discouragements from sin and temptation. How about feelings of inadequacy and inferiority? You ever felt like that? I mean, even this week, I've been meditating on this passage. It's amazing. When, I, when, when these feelings get in the way, and you're like, I can't do that. 
God, why? Why, why did you bring me into your family? I'm going to tell you, and the Holy Spirit of God says you are loved. That inferiority, that inadequacy, he still adopted you. He loves you. My friends, that is this text. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death every day, I know some of you in this room right now are going through some tough times with your family. I know some of you in this room have this last year lost loved ones. I know there's been splintered relationships. There's been lost finances. I know there's been some serious physical ailments in, our, in this body here. There's been relational wheels falling off the bus. I'm going to tell you in all of those feelings of inadequacy and frustration and inferiority, who is the one in your life saying, go to God the Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. He loves you. It is the Holy Spirit of God in your life. I want us to look at a sixth stabilizing comfort. Here it is. He secures a glorious future. I'll go a little more quickly through this one because we will see this come alive at the last part of this book, the whole, uh, of this chapter. The whole last part of this chapter is about glorification. So who's the one that secures this, though? It is the Holy Spirit of God. How does Paul say this? Verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, we identify with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Here's the basic point. Every single adopted child of God is an heir with Christ and will receive the promised inheritance. It's not a if, it's when. You will receive this inheritance. What is this inheritance? It is eternal participation in God's unmatched glory. <laughs> Think of that. Why is that so special? You'll remember what we read in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. Now, my brothers and sisters in Christ, through Jesus Christ the righteous, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we now have hope of an eternal inheritance that is saturated in the glory of God. Um, I love how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. He says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and has put His seal on us and has given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee of your inheritance. You have an inheritance that is waiting for you and it is a sure inheritance. The Holy Spirit of God secures this inheritance in the life of every believer. Practically, what does this mean for you and for me at this point? For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, no matter what struggles we go through in this sin-cursed world, no matter how deep your discouragement, no matter how dark your battle not only do you have one within you who is battling sin with you, but you have one within you who is guaranteeing that you will participate in the eternal reward. You will. That is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the guarantee. Some of your translations will say, He is the down payment. I want us to go to one last one. A seventh stabilizing comfort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. He intercedes through believers' weaknesses. Right now you're saying, Pastor Andrew, I see 26 on there. You're reaching out of 1 through 17. True. But you can't go through this study without at least jumping into this for a split second. There is a wonderful stabilizing factor in verses 26 and 27. And if I could just read these verses, here they go. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He searches hearts, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How many of you felt that way this week, this month, this year? so discouraged some of you I know because I've talked to you that you don't even know how to voice it 
It's too deep for words, but your heart is broken. How many of you have felt too weak to go on this last year? Too fatigued to know how to even process new information? Too troubled or too perplexed to know what to say and how to say it? How many of you in this room are like, I, I don't want to see another person? <laughs> I don't know what to say. And then maybe you go down on your knees and you're like, blah. I don't even know what to say to you, God. You ever been there? It is in these moments that the ministry of the Holy Spirit shines in the life of a believer. He faithfully helps us in our weakness. He actually intercedes with groanings too deep for words, this passage says. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the wonderful comfort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So what? Let's wrap this up. You all have been so wonderful in listening today. We went through a lot of material. I would encourage you to take these home and dig into this this week. But I want us to go, before we go our way, we want to ask, so what? How, how is this going to make any difference as we walk out of these doors? We asked the same question last week, and here it is. As you battle fleshly sin and seek spiritual growth, will you, my friend, will you, not the person on the other side of the room who really needs this, Pastor Andrew, <laughs> will you truly find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit? The biblical fact is this. If you have never come to Christ in saving faith, you will never have this comfort. Please catch that. I need to say that. If you have never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, you will never find this comfort. And so, if you've never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would today be that day, my friend? It is no mistake that you're here. Would you admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? If you're ready to repent and Seek the Savior? Would you believe that Jesus Christ is the only legitimate rescuer? My friend here today, would you call on Jesus in, in faith and repentance to rescue you? Would this be the greatest day of your earthly existence because you've come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ and this very day? It's the day that God Almighty has sent His Holy Spirit into your life to confirm and affirm your relationship with Him. Would this be that day, my friend? In just a minute, we will pray. There will be chaplains at the front. Throughout the end of this service, there will be one standing around, even your friends sitting with you. They would love to talk with you more about this relationship with God. Please do not leave this building today without coming into the as, as it said very clearly in scriptures, into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, will you rejoice this week in the overwhelming comfort of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? My friend, I, I barely touched the surface today when it comes to these comforts. But this, this week when you feel beat up, spiritually, physically, emotional, Emotionally, will you find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit? This week when you struggle so deeply with that addiction, you know what addiction I'm talking about. Will you find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit? This week when you want to give God the glory in all things, but can't seem to make it through one single day without shaming His name, you know what that's like. Will you find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit, my friend? This week, when you doubt whether you can battle or grow, not one more day, I can't do this anymore. Will you, my friend, find comfort in the indwelling Spirit? This week, when you struggle with such deep discouragement over past failures, will you find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit? This week, will you find comfort in the presence and power of the indwelling Holy Spirit? Come back next week as we dig even deeper into our identity with this Holy Spirit.
So we thank you, God, for your goodness and grace in this passage, just highlighting the wonderful work of the third person of the Trinity in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would give us grace. All of these talking points today clearly highlighted in this text. I pray that you would please help us not to just run through them and take them for granted. But God, I pray that you would make this mean something for us. God, I know there's ones here today sitting in these chairs that are working through discouragement, pain, uncertainty, doubts. Oh God, I pray that you would give them grace to run to your word and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. My friends here today, I praise God that God brought you here today. As we just mentioned, it is no mistake that you are here. There are some that are sitting here today that have never truly come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. <clears throat> As I just shared with you a minute ago, I would compel you, my friend, to come to Jesus Christ today. Come to this beautiful Savior. Don't delay. Don't wait. There's some of you who have been wrestling with this for some time. We're talking maybe not even days or, or weeks, but maybe months or years. Oh, my friend, come to Jesus. Would you come to him today? In just a minute, we will stand in song, an anthem of praise to Almighty God. I want to encourage you, don't delay. Come talk to one of our chaplains at the front. I will be over to the side. Would you come talk with me? Would you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith today? For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, will you take the wonderful comfort of this passage home with you this week? As you go your way today, will you find comfort in this indwelling Holy Spirit that He is with you? Just as Jesus, prior to going to the cross of Calvary, tells His disciples, I am going to leave you a comforter, a helper, my friend. Will you find comfort and help this week through the Holy Spirit of God who is using dynamically the Word of God in your life? A very practical way you can find the comfort of the Holy Spirit this week is by opening the Bible and reading and meditating. Would you take that challenge this week? Our Father, we thank you so much for the time we could spend today in your Word. I pray as we close in an anthem of praise to you, that these would come from hearts that have been encouraged. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. Thank you, thank you, thank you for placing this in the Bible. And I pray today as we go our ways that we would find comfort in the indwelling Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We thank you for the time we could spend today in worship and in praise and glorifying and extolling your holy name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.